Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 app. You guys are not doing any pass blocking. You're just stepping aside and letting them walk in. Pop, 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 pop. That's what I want. All of you around that ball. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all play like some little girls. Y'all like y'all never played football before. These guys are nothing. You hear me? They please just like we do. They sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then let's play. But that's eating us too. That gives us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. Another day for the Rob Bro Show. I was just on the Raiderland. We're going to continue a lot of what we were doing in that show in this show. If you're just tuning in, though, welcome. Again, this is the Rob Bro Show. I am the host. You are the co-host. You can text in 806-855-3712. 806-855-3712. Any and all Nick Cage references, welcome on the program today and every day. But for a text question today, I want to get into Texas A&M. We're going to dive right in today, not waste any time on any other topics. Texas A&M allegedly, reportedly, going to interview the legendary Bobby Petrino for their offensive coordinator role. Now, I discussed this on the Raiderland that it was a terrible decision to even interview Bobby Petrino, not because he's Bobby Petrino, but because you're rich as God, Texas A&M. Why are you bothering interviewing a washed up head coach at Missouri State? This is like handing the keys to Tua Tungavailoa and Jalen Waddell to a guy named Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey was the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins like two years ago. They're the best team, best offense in the NFL with a young, bright offensive mind that nobody's figured out yet. Except for the 49ers. Why hire Father Time Bobby Petrito who I can't even name a high-powered offense that he had. I I really need to go do my Bobby Petrino research. Was he like Darren McFadden's head coach? I have no idea. All I remember about Bobby Petrino is the neck brace and the motorcycle. He might be a fine football coach. But as rich as you are, you could go hire anyone. Quite literally, 
You could hire anyone, Texas A&M, and you're interviewing Bobby Petrino. Deion Sanders came in, and his first hire was an offensive-minded head coach, head coach from Kent State who just won that division. Kent State Golden Flashes head coach is now the offensive coordinator at Coronado, Colorado. I mean, if Deion Sanders is immediately coming in and hiring better players, by the way, could you imagine how good Deion Sanders would be at Texas A&M? <laughs> I mean, shut it down. They would get every every player in recruiting. They already do, but they would actually be good. Jimbo Fisher, if he hires, if they allow him to hire Bobby Petrino, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in some ways, as a Texas A&M hater, I love it. I want it to happen. Please, please hire Bobby Petrino, Texas A&M. That would be beautiful. That would be wonderful. You'll stink. So here's the text prompt. Name any other offensive coordinator, literally any other offensive coordinator, that would be better for Texas A&M than Bobby Petrino. You can go wrong answers only. You can go right answers only. Who would you hire if you were Texas A&M and could theoretically outpay anyone else in the country? If you offered the job to TCU's Garrett Riley and TCU says we'll match that offer, you could double it if you're A&M. You could pay Garrett Riley more than most sitting head coaches in college football to be the offensive coordinator. You could hire some young, hungry, driven offensive coordinator that is out there trying to make a name for themselves. But you're interviewing Bobby Petrino. Crazy. All right, we will talk about other things today on the radio show as well. I just was baffled by the Bobby Petrino stuff. Uh, We've also got Texas Rangers talk. Uh, Jacob DeGrom finally legitimately signing with the Texas Rangers uh, after, I think, a trip to Disney World or Disneyland or something. Uh, He got paid enough money to go to Disney World whenever he wants, so I'm not upset about that. Uh, Pitchers and catchers reporting, I don't know, any day now how it works anymore. I mean, it's already December, what, 9th? Pitchers and catchers report in a month and a half, early February. And I think this Texas Rangers rotation is sneaky. I don't think it's great yet. I don't think it's good yet, but it is sneaky. 
And if they, if Jacob deGrom is healthy, if Martin Perez can repeat what he did last year, if Jake Odorizzi can pitch a whole season, if Andrew Heaney is healthy, Heaney? <laughs> I don't know, right? I mean, there's intrigue. There's wonder and lust about seasons that might be better in the future. But I just legitimately do not know if this is something that the Texas Rangers can put together and hold together for an entire season because it's been a long time since we've seen that. And I still think you need a bat or two. Josh Young certainly gives you some excitement. The middle of the infield is set. Nathaniel Lowe also looks good. Nathaniel Lowe, in a lot of ways, was your best player last year, at least at the plate. Infield, check. In the outfield, do you have a lot of answered questions? There's also some thought that with the Padres going out and getting Xander Bogarts, there might be some moving on from Fernando Tatis Jr. If you look at Fernando Tatis Sr., he spent some time with the Texas Rangers. A.J. Preller, uh, very familiar with the Texas Rangers front office, though his running buddy J.D. is not here any longer. Could it make sense for you to go get Fernando Tatis Jr.? I guarantee you if any walk-off bomb again, this manager, Bruce Bochy, would not be upset with a pimp job. Or whatever it was. Was it a, a, a grand slam when they were up by 10? I, I don't know. I don't remember what Chris Woodward was mad about, but he, he hated uh, Fernando Tatis for being good at baseball. You know, that's not great when a manager of a baseball team doesn't like players when they're good at baseball. That's not a good draw. Like, that seems to be a prerequisite for the job is to like when baseball players are good at baseball. Seems to me. Seems to me. I am keeping a close eye, though on what the Texas Rangers are doing and will do over the next few months because I don't think they're done. I don't think they're done. They made two huge signings last year. They've got the DeGrom signing. They've got Heaney. They've got Odorizzi. It legitimately looks like this front office, as opposed to the last front office, is out of building mode and kind of stuck in, I don't know, second gear on a rebuild and kind of punching it up. They even downshifted, I think, to fifth. All right, let's get to the text line. We've got offensive coordinators rolling in. Uh, this one, Petrino must be dating a volleyball player at AM since he's interviewing there. I mean, why would you why would you bring him back to the SEC? I just I don't I legitimately don't understand it. Hugh Freeze. I understand. He's gone and been very successful at Liberty and has been 
I don't know. I was going to say scandal-free, but he hasn't. He's just been a liberty and nobody knowed, knew, heard. Nobody knowed about it. Oh, man. Uh, have A&M bring back Cliff Kingsbury and Kevin Sumlin as co-offensive coordinators. I'll tell you what right now. If Cliff Kingsbury gets fired in the next two weeks, A&M should absolutely make that phone call. Would he come back to be at A&M? I don't know. But that would be a cush job for Cliff. And as the offensive coordinator, he would kill it. And if they don't win, A&M's the kind of program to throw a contract at Cliff. And you know what you wouldn't have to do at A&M? Recruit. They would just come. At In Lubbock, Texas, at Texas Tech, you have to recruit. At Texas A&M, you have to choose. And if you had a recruiting staff behind Cliff, now, I don't like this. I don't like this. But it makes sense. And if Cliff wants to come back to college, that would not be a bad spot for a year or two. Also off the text line, A&M should hire Yost. I'm in. I'm in. A better offensive coordinator than Bobby Petrino, Lou Holt. This forward pass stuff is getting a little ridiculous, guys. I, I think we need to run the ball and stop trying to throw it all the way down the field. Running the ball is a much better thing, and it builds character. It's a, it's a thing that builds character. I don't know if Lou Holtz would uh, pass the interview test at A&M, though. I don't, I don't know that A&M is uh, Catholic enough. Tell Texas A&M to hire Graham Harrell so he can do what he does best and beat A&M. So down. Tatis Jr. is moving to center field anyways. Yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, First of all, uh, the the Padres have like 17 center uh, shortstops. Um, and yeah, if he came to if he came to Texas, he would play center field. He would 100 percent play center field. And what have you what have you not had since you were good? A great center fielder. And you build baseball teams, you build football teams up the middle. And if you could if you could land or at least develop one of these catchers you have, have this middle infield and Fernando Tatis Jr. at center field, you're immediately a contender whenever he comes back. I think he still might have some time, but he'll be back before the All-Star break, I think. (laughs) I don't remember how many games he served last year and how much he has to serve, but I would pay a hefty sum and probably get a discount right now on Fernando Tatis Jr. and be okay with it. We'll take the break. And the Padres have Soto, and uh, they just got Xander Bogarts, and they have a young guy, so I I don't know that they necessarily are. I mean, that's a prime trade to make right now today. All right, we'll be back after this. Rob Show Talk 103.9. More offensive coordinators on the text line, 806-855-3712.
Welcome back. The Rob Bro Show Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Who would you hire instead of Bobby Petrino? Almost sneeze there. Uh, this texture says Brian Ferentz. At times, the Iowa offense looked electric compared to A&M's this year. This texter, I take Bill Goldberg as my offensive coordinator before I'd hire Bobby Petrino. You know, Bill Goldberg, probably a good defensive line coach, uh, played for Georgia and the Falcons, maybe. Georgia Tech? Georgia? Who don't Bill Goldberg play uh, college football for? Anyways. I don't see too well. Is that Bill Goldberg over there? I, I'm i legitimately... I should not be surprised. I shouldn't be surprised at any of the coaching hires or interviews or whatever else they go around, but I am legitimately surprised... That Bobby Petrino is even being mentioned in a job conversation with Texas A&M and their offensive coordinator. In today's world of hyper offense, it's it's not even an age thing. He's just been a head coach, and he's the scandals have followed him everywhere. If I was in charge and cutting checks, I would not cut a check for Bobby Petrino. I mean, that seems like legitimately one of the worst things that A&M could do, and they're in such a terrible position. Maybe it's genius. Maybe I'm crazy and it's genius, but I really don't think so. Bobby Petrino got to Missouri State on January 15th of twenty. 20. He was at Louisville from 2014 to 2018. He was at Arkansas from 08 to 2011. In 2013, he was at Western Kentucky. Since 2002, besides a year at the Atlanta Falcons... An infamous year. In 2002, Auburn. 03 to 06, Louisville. Head coach. Then he goes to the Atlanta Falcons as the head coach for one season. Then he comes back to Arkansas, 08 to 2011. Western Kentucky, 2013. Louisville, 14 to 18. Missouri State. Uh, BCS Bowl games for both Louisville and Arkansas in those times. And I think, like I said on the Raiderland, he had both Lamar Jackson and I think he had, uh, maybe, maybe Darren McFadden was, was younger. What was it? So what era was that? Ryan Mallett? He had Ryan Mallett in Arkansas, and that's uh, that's when they had it going. It's just fairly impressive 
that A&M could have such a bad candidate out of nowhere. Uh, this off the Twitter sphere, Rob Bro. Now, I'm confident that I could do just as good of a job at uh, calling A&M's plays as anyone else has at A&M in the last couple of years. I do not think... Obviously, I wouldn't be good at uh, the game planning and all that and the coaching of the quarterbacks. I would have to have some help there. But if you could put a game plan in front of me and tell me what this other team's doing, I could call the plays. If you just need a play caller, hit me up. And I'll do it for cheaper than Bobby Petrino. Heck, you get me to six figures, I'll be in uh, College Station tomorrow. I don't need $2 million. I don't need a buyout. Just guarantee me six figures. I'll be there tomorrow. Oh, man. We'll take another break. When we come back, more sports talk. That's what we do here. It's the Rob Bro Show on Talk 103.9. News, money, sports. Welcome back. Talking offensive coordinators today. Who would you send to A&M? Who would be better? Who would be worse than Bobby Petrino? I would say Cowboys Kellen Moore, but I really like how they've been playing lately, so I'll say the Waterboys Coach Klein. Are we going pre-found as notebook Coach Klein or scared, doesn't know how to run an offense Coach Klein? I go, they could have Coach Klein, but we'll keep the playbook. How about that? Kellen Moore is and will always be a man. I really don't know what I think of Kellen Moore. I don't. Dak Prescott is so bad when he's bad. And so good when he's good. He's just, it's almost impossible to figure out what's Kellen Moore and what's Dak Prescott. Because sometimes a great quarterback makes an offensive coordinator look better. And has Tony Pollard made Kellen Moore look better? Has this offensive line? The Dallas Cowboys are in the top. I think they are. I think they lead the NFL in sacks defensively and are top, comfortably top five in sacks allowed. I think second, maybe. And I don't think that's because they have a great offensive line, they have a good offensive line. But Kellen Moore, through his two quarterbacks that have started multiple games this year, has schemed really well to not have his quarterbacks standing back there forever like a lot of offensive coordinators trust their quarterbacks to do. 
And I don't know if it's a trust thing or just a preference thing, but this offensive coordinator has been really good for the Dallas Cowboys at scheming quick plays for Dak Prescott to get in and out. He moves the pocket. They do the bootleg. At times, the offense is a little bit frustrating, but it's never because somebody's not open. It's because Dak's not hitting the open guy. And as much as I don't love Kellen Moore, if you just look at the numbers, and I I keep hearing the numbers don't lie, okay? Men lie. Women lie. Numbers don't lie. If you look at the numbers of the offense over the last three or four years since Kellen Moore has been in charge of the offense, the Dallas Cowboys have one of the best offenses in the NFL. Do points matter? You've been one of the best scoring offenses in the NFL. Do yards matter? You're one of the most productive offenses in the NFL. And I'm sure there are some kind of analytics and numbers that you could use to prove that the Dallas Cowboys are a little overrated offensively. But in all the stats that normal people look at, the stats that a football guy would pull, not a stat nerd, the Dallas Cowboys offense has been really good even when the team hasn't been good. Now, You go back to 2020, the Dallas Cowboys had the worst defense in the world. And one of the best offenses in the world. It's an amazing feat that they won any games. In 2021, Micah Parsons shows up and the offense is still good and the defense gets pretty good. This year, I think the offense has been a little bit worse. Though Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard has been way better. But the defense has stepped up. The Dallas Cowboys are 17-point favorites this weekend. I will be in attendance. If there's anything you want me to do while I'm there, you can uh, text it in, 806-855-3712. I will not be getting on the field, though I am I am moderately close to the field. If you're looking for me, which I don't know really why you would be, if anybody scores and they pan around, if somebody runs like by the pylon and they pan around, look for me. I'm in one of those corners. You can get, you know what? I've always heard Dallas Cowboys tickets are really way, like way expensive. They're unaffordable. If you don't mind sitting in a corner, <laughs> there's no like walls are in the way. It's just a little bit awkward viewing angle. I might have to look through some people if they stand up uh, down the sideline. But if you don't mind being in the corner, you can get some pretty affordable tickets there at the the Cowboy Stadium. They're like a thousand dollars where I am, like four sections over. But I'm not four sections over. So 
If you want to go to the Cowboys game, look in the corners. That's all I'm saying. And buy before the Cowboys are 9-3. and three. I'm sure if I looked at the similar tickets today, they would be pretty expensive. But I got in early. Also, if you've been to a Cowboys game and you have any tips, game day tips for the Dallas Cowboys games, let me know. I've been once, and to be just very honest with everyone, I don't remember much. Uh, because we were in standing room only and we were tailgating and <laughs> we tailgated for a long time that day. And then we kind of just get into the stadium and we, we were there early as Cowboys Eagles and there was no room. So I watched the game on the jumbotron. It was one of the worst experiences. Uh, but if you have game day tips, parking or otherwise, let me know those too. Because I've never been to a Dallas Cowboys game. Lifelong fan. Uh, never went to Texas Stadium for a Cowboys game. Uh, and I have not been to one really. I've not been to one really. I, I have been to a Cowboys-Eagles game, but I don't count it. This will be my first time, I think. I, I'm going to count it as my first time. Uh, this off the text line, 806-855-3712. I had to hit the Google machine to figure out uh, where Goldberg played college football. Uh, he played for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's like what I thought. He was drafted by the Rams and then later went to the Falcons. I remember him with the Falcons. Oh, Bill Goldberg. And then I remember him with... Uh, WCW and obviously later on with the WWF WWE as well uh, don't drink alcohol from the stadium sales I probably will not buy a $12 beer at uh, Cowboy Stadium or 15 or whatever it is that's uh, it's not for me not for me. All right, let's take the break. When we come back, we'll wrap up this show and ask you what's your lock of the weekend. Text it in, 806-855-3712. I'll talk about some of my locks for the weekend as well. Lots of system plays in the NFL this weekend. It's the Rob Bro Show, Talk 103.9 News, Money, Sports. Welcome back. Uh, off the text line. Uh, I agree on the commercials. So I'm not going to read the rest of that one. Uh, I need... <laughs> uh, David Yost. David Yost is a potential uh, A&M candidate better than Bobby Petrino. Brian Ferentz again. Newt Rockney. Jason Garrett. Paul Johnson. Hey, it's a shame. And I'm being very genuine and, and truthful here. 
It's a shame that that Jason Garrett didn't take or get the Stanford job. I think Jason Garrett is a perfect fit for Stanford. If anybody in college football can have a pro coach and have that be successful, it's Stanford. Stanford did it with Harbaugh. And then they kept David Shaw about five years too long, I think. Three to five. And then they had the opportunity to hire Jason Garrett. And I think they should have pulled the trigger. Now, they just saw Arizona State and Herm Edwards. They just saw Antonio Pierce at Arizona State and all the recruiting issues. Jason Garrett, does he have the experience to hire a staff at the collegiate level that can recruit? Well, there are some schools in the country where you don't have to recruit. And I would say more than you think. And Stanford in the Pac-12, especially the new Pac-12, the future Pac-12, can be competitive just based on their name. People want to go to Stanford. Can you be competitive recruiting like that on a national level? No. Does Stanford expect to be competitive on a national level? I think Stanford would be very happy going 8 and 4 for the rest of time. 7 and 5, 6 and 6 better than they have been. In a program like Stanford, where academics is clearly more important than football, it just makes sense to have that as a business transaction and a professional deal because those kids can handle it. They're all preparing to be either NFL players, a lot of Stanford athletes go to the NFL, or like doctors. You don't have a lot of human studies majors playing football at Stanford. You've got double engineering degrees. You you have some of those at, at other schools, but Stanford, you have a whole roster of them. Notre Dame, you have a whole roster of them. Notre Dame could hire and be successful with a professional coach. Stanford could too. And I maybe it was Jason Garrett that turned it down because he didn't like the idea of having to go out and recruit and schmooze. But I really don't think you have to do much of that, especially if you hire a good recruiting staff, which I think a lot of these people don't understand that. To be great, your head coach has to be the recruiter. But you could also just be the closer. And you don't have to go out everywhere like Joey does. I have a funny feeling that Nick Saban is still not going out to every recruit and calling every recruit. He's just getting past the phone with a script. But again, that's one of those places you just have to choose. You don't have to recruit. It's a lot easier at those kind of places to get it done. But I don't know too many young players that are wanting to go play for Bobby Petrino. 
And it's it's really the the parents you have to sell. Parents at Stanford could be sold on Jason Garrett, and I think very easily. And I think Jason Garrett still holds a lot of cachet. Jason Garrett was winning in Dallas. He just got stale, and they had to move on. It was a decade. He was like exactly 500. And he took over from a bad head coach and got it rolling. And Jason Garrett is really good from Monday to Saturday and just wasn't a great adjuster. But if he went to the college route and could just be a head coach and hand the keys off to somebody else to do all the offensive coordinating and the game planning and the defensive coordinating and he could just be a CEO, he could do it. And he's got a big brain. He went to Princeton, didn't he? Fits in down there. I'm sure Stanford will have some other good head coaching uh, candidate pop up. I, I do not know who they're hiring. I did not see. I just saw the Jason Garrett news. I think a lot of people assume that because I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm a Jason Garrett hater like most Cowboys fans are. But I never thought that Jason Garrett was the problem. And that was and people are going to be shocked at this. People are going to be shocked. But that was back before Jerry Jones hadn't given over the reins yet. And it really was still Jerry's fault. <laughs> which I defend Jerry on now because I do think he stepped away and he's not as in charge as he was five years ago. But I never had a complaint about the validity of Jason Garrett's rosters. Did they win in the NFL playoffs? No. Did they win enough? No. Should they have moved on? Yes. But it's kind of strange to me that Jason Garrett hasn't gotten another opportunity. I still think Jason Garrett is a good head coach in the right opportunity. The Dallas Cowboys were no longer the right opportunity. They just weren't. And then they moved on to a worse head coach in Mike McCarthy. But that's for another day. I will be at the Dallas Cowboys game this weekend. That is a Texans game. Uh, they are favored by 17 and a half. The under feels like a lock for me at 44, even though the Cowboys just scored 53. That was a lot of strange touchdowns at the end of that game to get over. There's also a 3% chance I make the fantasy football playoffs. Uh, very low. Very low chance. So uh, I need C.D. Lamb to have a big game for that. Otherwise, I need a little help. I need a little help, but I don't want to go through fantasy football stuff. I, I'm not a big fantasy football guy anyways. But it's an office It's an office league, and if I don't make the playoffs and I'm like the sports guy up here, it just doesn't look good. 
are probably not going to make the playoffs. So we'll see. Other locks of the weekend, Broncos, Chiefs, under. Jets, Buffalo, under. Missouri, three and a half. As a dog against Kansas. We'll take Oklahoma plus two and a half. And Illinois minus eight and a half. Locks of the weekend. Lock them in. I'll tell you my record next week. All right, that was the Rob Bro Show. That was the Rob Bro Show for a week. Friday, over, in the books. We'll see you Monday on the Raider Land, 11 a.m. I am Rob Bro. I'll be Rob Bro. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.